morning, everyone. How are you guys doing? Let's stand and worship together.
welcome veterans. Please remain standing for the presentation of the colors. Our thanks go to Brian Barham and the JROTC uh, for being here with us this morning. We're so thankful for that. And uh, today's Veterans Day. We began last night and had a really good time here in our service and already in the 9 o'clock have. And it's just, honestly, it's an honor to honor our veterans and to say thank you to the men and women who have served and really have given us the opportunity to be here today and to worship freely and I think sometimes we 
uh, have such freedoms that we often forget that it's very much a privilege and to wake up every morning and say thank you God that we can have freedom in you and we can have freedom in our country you know we might gripe and complain about some things but this is the greatest country in in the world and uh, we get to enjoy what comes along with it and much of that is because of the men and women who've served in our military have sacrificed so much and their families have sacrificed as well so if you're a veteran, would you please stand? We want to honor you. We want to say thank you to you. Now, we could go on and on. We could clap and clap because we're so grateful to you. Now, I know it's a little awkward for you to remain standing, but we'd just like to look at you for a little bit and, and say thank you. So if you're around someone that's standing, would you say, just say thank you for your service? And if you would take this little ribbon and put that on, we really want to say to you, thank you. I know that can be uh, difficult or awkward or whatever it, it, it may be. I know that you didn't do what you did to get uh, thanks. You did what you did to serve. And so, uh, but we still want to say thank you for, for your service to our country. And uh, if you'll, yeah, put that little, that little uh, ribbon on, we will do that. We'll thank you personally, okay? I'd like to pray for you this morning. Father, we thank you so much for this day that's set aside to honor our veterans. God, we get to enjoy so much freedom here because of their sacrifice and because of their service. Father, we know that each one has served in a different capacity, in a different way, has had different experiences. And I know, Lord, that there are so many things that are very unseen, the emotional toll that it takes, the family uh, dynamics that go along with all of that, the uh, uh, the service that they've given uh, wherever they were at, Lord. There's so much unseen that goes on. And so, Father, we just want to say thank you to each person here standing today, to those that may be, may be watching online and as we go throughout this day, but not just the day, Lord, throughout the year to say thank you to a veteran because we get to uh, worship here today because of their uh, service and their sacrifice. Father, I pray for all the family members that are represented by those standing uh, Lord, I thank you for their sacrifice as well. And today, Lord, we celebrate each one. But most of all, Lord, we want to celebrate who you are. You reign supreme. You're in control of everything, and we thank you for that. When the world seems like it's in chaos and it's out of control, we still know that you are in control. And so we celebrate you today, Lord. We celebrate our veterans, and we give you honor and glory, and we say thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give them a hand one more time. Well, good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our services today. We're really, really glad you're here. Man, so looks like we're having a wedding with that big, long, or wide aisle there. Anybody want to get married today? <laughs> anyway, we're really glad you're here. If you're a guest today, uh, we're just really glad you chose to be here with us today. It's a great day to be here as we honor our military. And if you're a guest, we have a table out that, as you leave today. It says first-time guests, and we have a free gift for you, and we'd love for you to stop by and pick up that gift. Also, 
if you're here today and uh, you have any needs, you can put those on your connection card. If you're a guest, we'd love to hear from you as well. And uh, also go to Facebook or whatever social media preference you have. And if you'll just let people know you're here, it's a great way for us to, for you to let people know uh, this is your church and that you're happy to be here. So when you post, say I'm happy to be here or something like that. But anyway, uh, we appreciate that. And also, our, this is a time in our service that we take our tithes and offerings. If you're a guest today, don't feel any obligation to give. If you're a regular attender, we appreciate that you would give because we really need you to give because it really helps us do what God has uh, called us to do. You know, people think sometimes that we get these government funds. We don't. Uh, the only funds we get are the funds that you take out of your pocket or your pocketbook or your checkbook or your credit card and uh, that you give to Salem Fields. So we need your support and we appreciate it. So thank you for that and uh, some buckets will come by in just a bit. Uh, we're also today, uh, well, we're going to do a dinner this Sunday night. We're not, but our students are. Uh, they're doing an intergenerational dinner and that means, intergenerational means if you're 55 and older, and the young people want you to come so there'll be intergenerational dinner. And uh, so if you're, did I say if you're 55 and up? I just missed it. Gay and I missed it by a year. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, we did go last year and it was incredible. What a great meal. What a great time. Oh, it is. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and so we hope that you'll, uh, uh, 6 o'clock uh, to 8, they kind of end it early so that you can get to bed. Uh, so that we can get to bed. But anyway. Night to Shine is coming up again. Wow, we are blessed to be chosen again to host Night to Shine. And um, probably the greatest event uh, that we've ever done here at Salem Fields Community Church. You can learn more about that at salemfields.com. But if you'd like to volunteer or you'd like to, or if you know someone that, that uh, could be a guest for us to honor those that are challenged uh, in some way, uh, it's just a great night. You'll love it. Volunteer, you go online. And you can, uh, you can sign up to register to be a volunteer or you can register, register to be a participant. But it's in February, and so we're making big plans right now. Uh, we're going to take our annual Thanksgiving offering next week, and so watch this. The Bible says to be cheerful no matter what, pray all the time, thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you, who belong to Christ Jesus, to live. I went into the ministry at God's call when I was uh, very young. In 1971, I was just a babe. And my wife and I were following God's call to the mission field. And we served uh, in, in Virginia and Texas and, and Kansas till we retired almost four years ago. Many people lean totally, of course, on Social Security. And I can just tell you that's not enough. My wife and I have always been faithful to the Lord in giving. I mean, some of the things God asked us to do, I, I would say, why me? <laughs> and then he would work miracles. You cannot outgive God. You cannot. He's got a bigger shovel than you've got. And so you don't give to get, but it's amazing when you trust the Lord and give, he always makes it up. I don't know how to explain it. But I also want to give so the message of the gospel can go. You know, the verse of Scripture that says, how can a person believe unless they hear, and how can they hear unless somebody tells them? And how can somebody tell unless they're sent? And we help support that through our Thanksgiving offering. We give out of thankfulness to God that we're not just taking care of ourselves. We get to reach out and give so that others can find Jesus. And I'm thankful for that privilege. 
Plantar una iglesia es un reto de lo más grande. Planting a church is one of the most difficult things that a pastor can accomplish. Es algo que... It is something where one places something where there is nothing. No es fácil, pero cuando Dios It is not easy, but when God has his hand over the calling and the vision, everything turns out how God has planned them. Es un reto que sale adelante con la ayuda de cada that becomes a reality with the help of each of the people that places their grain of sand. We thank Salem Fields for opening their building to the Hispanic congregation. Gracias al Señor. We thank God that they have received us with open arms. Because they have received us as if we were their own children. Please, we ask that everyone supports the Thanksgiving offering. This offering goes to places where neither you nor I can go to. This offering is what makes a way where there is no way. The Giving Thanks offering supports missionaries serving in 162 world areas. It helps to plant new churches across Virginia. It supports retired pastors who sacrificially served others. And it helps people in our own community who just need a helping hand to get back on their feet. Please continue to pray, asking God how He would have you give to share real hope with anyone everywhere. The Salem Fields Giving Thanks offering. Be cheerful, be prayerful, be thankful. So we have the privilege next week of being able to give in that offering, and so we know you've been praying about that. And just to remind you once again that this is not an offering for Salem Fields Community Church. This offering, every dime that comes in that offering, even pennies, uh, go to somewhere else in the world, here in our community and around the world. And uh, so we really appreciate that. I was just noticing our friend Jerome, we've known him for a long time, Gay and I, and he said he was called to the mission field. Did you listen to what he said? He went to Texas. So we know all about that. They need missionaries in Texas, so we send people to Texas. <laughs> anyway, uh, also uh, we have our Hispanic church and uh, Pastor Walter and, and his wife's name is Maritza. 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 <laughs> They're co-pastors, just like Gay and I, and they uh, they uh, have a great growing congregation. They meet here every Sunday at three o'clock over in our student room. And uh, they have grown from nearly their family to about 50. And because of the Thanksgiving offering, we're able to support and be a part of that as well. So it's not just uh, uh, around the world, but it's right here as well. We try to help people that are struggling financially as families. And uh, so if you would prayerfully give. We need some significant givers in that if we're going to make our goal of 65000 And we need people who just can give whatever they can give. If it's a dollar, it will be much appreciated and used very wisely. So pray for that this week, and we thank you for that. I just love it when he speaks Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking a lot about freedom here today. It's something that we don't want to take for granted. We have freedom in Christ, and we have freedom in this country because of those that have sacrificed. After the buckets go by, let's stand together and worship.
break into the wild and don't be afraid. Run into wide open spaces, graces waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted, graces waiting. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is.
Thank you. I like that. You just say thank you. Thank you. Well, uh, here at Salem Fields, we're going to start something a little new over the next couple of months. We call it Conversations, and it gives you the opportunity to interact as we have conversations up here. And if you'd like to ask a vet a question that you just wonder about, you can hashtag that at SFCCVets on uh, Twitter or Facebook. You can actually do that. It'll get up here maybe at the end of uh, our conversation here, and uh, you can ask them that question. But one of the things we wanted to do uh, this Veterans Day is a little bit different. You know, a lot of times we're thanking the veterans, and we don't really hear from veterans. And I thought, what better way could we honor them than to hear their voices and see through the eyes of a veteran? And uh, as a civilian, I, and never serving in the military, I don't get it. I don't understand that life. I have uh, people in my family that have served. But I love listening to the stories and uh, to the perspectives, and it's really it's really interesting, and so today we have three veterans with us. This is Matt, Skip, and Eric. Would you make them feel welcome? So, you know what? I'm going to ask you guys, first, first of all, because I missed this uh, in the other, the other uh, services, but when we say thank you to you, I know sometimes that's awkward uh, or... Um, I, I don't know how it's received. What, what do you say? What's the best way we can say thank you? Any thoughts on that? <laughs> that threw you off a little bit because it's different than... Yeah. So, so for me, thank you is perfectly fine. I mean, we feel a little... I don't speak for myself. feel a little uncomfortable just because, you know, we don't do it for the thank yous. But uh, it, it's nice to hear nonetheless. And so simple thank yous is just fine. You know, we don't need to overthink it. And we'll just say, you know, you just say our pleasure or something like that. So we do appreciate it. Is this thing on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was told I needed to speak a little bit louder. But uh, same thing was Matt, what Matt said, you know, a perfect thank you is, you know, all we really, really need. Um, I know for me, the, the most frustrating part is after the thank you is a lot of times the follow-up questions. I know me and you were talking about it afterwards. You know, a lot of people ask us questions that a lot of times you asking the question aren't ready for the true answer. So uh, it, put, it puts us in an awkward situation to where we feel like we have to filter. And, you know, that way we're not perceived as, you know, like kind of like we were talking about as the bad guys not looked at differently and everything else like that. So. Mm -hmm. Really, and, and you know, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this, because to hear from you, we have to be a little more educated on how to receive that, and I, I like that. You have to be ready for the answer to, to the question that we ask. So, okay, let's start with a, these guys are old pros because they were up here in the last service, and they know how to do this now, <laughs> and I take advantage of that a little bit. But let's just start with the basics, what branch you served in, uh, what your duties were, where that was at? Um, so I served with the U.S. Army. I was a uh, NCO, non-commissioned officer, uh, for a paratrooper in the 501st Airborne Division. And so I was uh, front lines there as a paratrooper. And then through our 16-month tour in, in Iraq, um, I transitioned over to the recon sniper unit, and I was a team leader there. And, you know, I forgot to mention to you the other times, but um, you asked me, you know, how do you get into the you know, recon sniper? And 
as a regular line unit, you know, you do your normal missions and you hear about the recon team, you're like, man, that's something I, could, I would want to do. But then um, one mission, they brought the recon team out to us and they divvied up our assignments and they told the recon team, you're going to sit over there in the palm grove and you're going to wait for the bad guys had a sniper themselves. He said, you're going to wait for them to come out and see if you can detect them and take care of business. And then they looked over at us and said, now you guys are going to go out there and draw them out. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. And I said, uh, I think I got the wrong side of this. So, <laughs> so when uh, some positions opened up, I was the first one to raise my hand. So that's kind of how that happened. I was in the Army, and uh, I was in helicopters. My tour in Vietnam, I was a door gunner, the first one. The second one, I was a fancier door gunner. <laughs> I just did a little bit different style of that. And, uh, and I, did you go over in the same unit, both tours? Yeah, I was, yeah, one ginormous tour. See, one, so. yeah, when I went over, you'd get there at the replacement station, and they'd tell you what unit you're going to. And when I went back my second tour, they looked at me and go, all right, you're coming back for a second tour. Where do you want to go? And I said, I want to go with the cab. They go, are you nuts? I go, I like their patch. That's why I want to go. <laughs> and uh, I did eight years in the in the Marine Corps. I was with uh, Fox Company 2-2 down in uh, Camp Lejeune. I did uh, three deployments with them. I was only supposed to do two, but uh, the CO came to me before the, the third one, Afghanistan, and we were hurting for uh, sergeants and above, so... Uh, he asked me if I'd be willing to extend, which I really didn't want to go to Cuba. That's where I had orders to, so <laughs> I really didn't want to go there. But um, I ended up doing uh, three tours with them. Uh, I was a ready walk writer for a line company. So uh, what that means is basically you're out there alongside all the infantrymen. Uh, you're just carrying a, carrying a radio. That's pretty much it. So <laughs> Carrying a radio. Sitting there with the gun. Well, and the funny thing about carrying the radio, people say, oh, radio, whatever. He, you know, people like that and combat medics and things of that nature, they come along with the infantry and the line units. And the, at, from an infantry point of view, we look over at them and go, phew, glad I don't have that job. Because not only are they in the mix with us, but they got to carry all the crap. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and just to say something about radio, man. When I was in Vietnam, when we used to drop the troops off on all the airlifts we did, they were the first target. They knew if they mm -hmm. knocked out the communications. Oh, wow. In Vietnam, it was a helicopter war. Ain't nobody going to drive tanks down the road or pick you up or bring in Humvees. You had to go in by helicopter, out by helicopter. If they destroyed the communications, they knew they had advantage in hmm. them. So these guys with that big old whip antenna, they can't hide very good. Wow. <laughs> and especially with that beard. <laughs> I wasn't allowed to have it back then, you know. <laughs> I had to shave for eight years, you know, razor burn, you know, acne, everything else, you know, since I got out. Well, I'll tell you this, my wife will tell you too, I look like a 10-year-old boy without it. So. <laughs> See how important it is to hear through the eyes of a veteran. This is important stuff. Okay, so uh, you guys, you know what, we've just got men up here. How about some women out there that are veterans? How about the women stand? We need our girls right there. Yeah? They're Shire. Yeah. Oh, you're coming up? Oh, good. Yeah, you guys can stand right over here with me. We've got to have our, our women uh, represented. So uh, you want to tell us where, 
where you served? Uh, Department of Army, I did four years. Um, it was uh, Fort Jacks and um, Fort Benning for Airborne, and um, I'm still a dirty, nasty leg. Uh, and uh, uh, I went Whatever to Fort means. Belvoir. Well, we, I went through a week of ground, two weeks of tower, but never made a complete jump. So therefore, I'm still a dirty, nasty leg, like they would call us. <laughs> but uh, I went through patient admin. I was supposed to be your parachute rigger, and so I had to change my MOS. And um, I really enjoyed it. The worst thing I got as a patient admin was a paper cut. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, but uh, truly, I, I love my country. I love what I did. I still work for um, the Marine Corps, and uh, they've been really good to me. All right. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Shirley. I have spent almost 20 years in the Marine Corps Reserves, um, several mobilization deployments um, as a, a distribution management. A lot of convoys, so I really love my country. The best person, um, back to the question of who to thank. I always appreciate it, but I always want to thank my family and my son especially. He's the one that sacrificed the most. Mm -hmm. I was just doing my job. Yeah, you guys can go on down and go ask these guys. Thank you so much. Uh, and you know what, you bring up a good point, and we're not going to leave the families out of this today. So tell us why you joined. Well, kind of said at last service a little bit too. You know, me and my, my dad did uh, what, 20, 22, 24 years in the Army. And uh, my wife really got to see it because my, my grandmother died this past week, and we had the funeral this weekend. But me and my dad go back and forth all the time because he was Army and I'm Marine Corps. So I always joke around with him and told him I was going to be more of a man than he was. So, uh, so I joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> uh, you know, no, <laughs> no disrespect, you know. We, it, Don't look it, at him talking. <laughs> it doesn't matter what, you know, what branch it is, you know, we'll, Army, Marine Corps, Navy, you know, we'll all go back and forth and pound each other and give each other jokes, you know, and everything else like that. But at the end of the day, we all stand next to each other, so. Uh, so the reason I joined is pretty simple. It was from 9-11. I was an undergrad at the time 9-11 happened, and um, I remember watching the planes fly into the towers uh, with my now wife. She was my girlfriend then. Uh, and just felt this need to play my part and so I uh, joined the delayed entry program and so my senior year of college I was already signed up to go and graduated in May and left for basic training in July um, and then I went to airborne school and then I called my fiance because she became my fiance and I said remember I said we might be going to North Carolina I said well my orders have an A and a K on them and either I don't know my states too well or we're going to Alaska so <laughs> we ended up going up to Alaska um, and, and we we're stationed there I just want to say one thing um, that you mentioned, yeah, Army, you know, Marines, Navy, Air Force, doesn't really matter, especially once you get overseas, um, you know, it, it's all, you know, fun, rivalry and everything, but once you're over there, I know we had detachments up in Fallujah with the Marines. I remember uh, some, some iffy times being down near Karbala in Iraq where a whole city was kind of converging on us and we had Air Force come fly by us with uh, F-18s and drop some flares off and disperse the crowd, so like when it comes down to it, you know, it's good to have that rivalry, but uh, we definitely stick together. And we're over there. 
Well, I'm from a different generation. <laughs> when I, uh, I had a very troubled youth and uh, got in a lot of trouble, went to reform school. So when I was 18 years old, I was a junior in high school, and they called me into the principal office and said, well, we really don't want you coming back to school again unless you bring your parents. <laughs> and my parents didn't know what kind of trouble I got into, so I did the best thing I could. I went down and signed up for the Army. <laughs> and then the, uh, the day before I went in, my stepfather patted me on the back, said, you did a great job. My mother was mad. But I tell you, uh, the, the military gave me direction. They uh, taught me responsibility, leadership, and how to take care of your fellow brother. And to this day, I still exercise a lot of those uh, traits that the military taught me. And I did 20 years, and I don't regret one day of it. So all three of these men have fought in war. and. Uh, you guys could just tell us a little bit about what that's like, even uh, transitioning back into civilian life. Uh, yeah, so, you know, being in a war, I guess you never Which really... Which war? Uh, so I was in our, uh, Operation Iraqi Freedom, uh, summer of 2006, so almost, yeah, almost the next two years, so 2008, almost the end of 2007. Um, you, you know, you're never quite prepared, and some of these other guys have, have mentioned as well, they might talk about it, but... You know, you go over there, and, and I remember my first mission that you went on. You know, you're out there, and the, the other unit's trying to teach you the, the area of operation. And this we got, and I remember hiding behind every wall, looking at every piece of trash that was on the ground, thinking it might be an IED, you know, improvised explosive device, and uh, yeah, telling my, telling my team to get down, get down. Well, you can't do that for 16 months. <laughs> a lot of people say, you know, you can't be complacent, but there comes a certain point where you got to kind of accept your own, uh, you know, your own fate. And once you, once you can do that, it becomes a lot easier. Um, and so, um, and I'll leave you the part about the, the last month because I think that's funny because, <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, it resonates with all of us. So, um, but as far as transitioning back, like I said before, and I said last time, um, I'm actually, this year is my 11 year reunion coming back and I'm just starting to talk about this stuff now. So I haven't really fully transitioned back and that's what I'm just starting to find out. Some of those things, um, really affected, you know, my behavior and home life and things like that. And I just never have talked about it before. So. Transition is not complete yet. Yeah, uh, like you said, when you first get over there, you're wide-eyed, and you're looking at everything, and you're scared to death. For about the first two months, you're going through the motions, trying to figure out what's not gonna kill you and what will. But after a while, you finally realize that you get into it, but your third month in there, and you're doing all these missions and flying all this stuff, you figure, well, what the heck? I'm not gonna make it back anyway. So just, just enjoy life as I can. So you start volunteering for missions, you'll do, yeah, you want to go do this? In a heartbeat, let's go do it. Let's go fire these people up. And you do all that, and you're gung-ho and all the way. And then you come to your last month in country, and you go, whoa, I'm going to live. I'm going to go home. This is amazing. And they come to you. Well, you go fly this mission, you go, oh, oh get the new guy. I don't want to go. So you realize that you can can do it and you can go home. But one of the things, transition to civilian life, and we didn't have it in Vietnam War, you know, PTSD, no one knew what that was. And I remember, I retired after 20 years. My last 10, five, 10 years in there, I didn't realize it, but I suffered from PTSD until just last year. I've never really admitted I had it. And they tried to give me uh, medicine for depression and I was on depression medicine for five years. And I'm thinking, I don't like this. 
So I weaned myself off of it. But I was telling Gay, while I was in there talking to the counselor about it, because it's the first time I ever admitted having it, she goes, but you've had this for how many years and you're, you're functioning in life? I said, yeah. She said, well, how do you do it? What kind of medication and stuff do you take? I said, I don't take any medication. I pray every time I have an episode. And I get there and I pray and pray and pray. And it has helped me every time. Now, I have some medication I can take, but I've never taken it. The good Lord has gotten me through this every single time. So uh, I was in both Iraq and Afghanistan, both. Uh, uh, we were talking, me and Matt were talking about after uh, last service. Uh, we kind of passed each other right there at the tail end. Uh, I, was, I was beginning mine, he was ending his. So, uh, um, but it's, it's kind of like these gentlemen said, you know, when you first get there, first couple of weeks, I mean, you're looking at everything, you're scared to death. And then it just comes to a point of where, you know, that, you know, death becomes reality. I mean, you just don't care. And then, you know, it comes to the end where, you know, you're starting to rip with somebody else. Uh, that's what we call the change was ripping with somebody. So, uh, you know, you realize that, you know, hey, you know, it ain't, it ain't over. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go home, you know, I'm going to see mom and dad, you know, you know, girlfriend or whatever else. And, you know, you start to be, you know, more cautious, you know, everything else. So, uh, but yeah, when I first got out of the Marine Corps, um, <clears throat> it, w it was a bit different. So, uh, I, I, that's all I'd ever known, you know, ever since I got out of high school was, you know, Marine Corps. So, uh, transitioning back, the first job that I took was working at Walmart unloading trucks. So like, I'm, I'm used to going to work every day. You can't call out. So I get there and, you know, you're supposed to have 14, 15 people unloading this truck with you and there's only five to six people there. And you look around, it's like, what in the world's going on? Where are they all at? Oh, they called out. I come back home, my wife will tell you how I looked at her. I said, you could do that? <laughs> I said, I got to try this. <laughs> and I did. I called out the next night. <laughs> oh, man. But, uh, but yeah, now, you know, it's, it's a little bit different. You know, I, I, I'm doing what I love now. I'm, I, you know, I was kind of forced out of the Marine Corps medically, so uh, they, wouldn't let me, they wouldn't let me continue with my blood thinner. You know, I had to take those. So uh, I went back to work for the Marine Corps, so I still get to, you know, serve and work alongside my brothers and sisters, you know, in arms. So it's what I enjoy, so. Shout out to Lydia. She's watching your buddy. I have a good, great friend because of these guys that served in, in Alaska. And we went on a missions trip together. She said she'd be online. Your, her husband is your buddy. Yeah. You he, yeah, he was my battle buddy and kind of my mentor, really, because he'd already been through one combat tour when I got there. And, uh, you know, uh, we became NCOs together in the same platoon. And we kind of we ran that platoon. And he helped me prep uh, this new wave of soldiers to go over. Um, unfortunately, he couldn't go, go for our tour because of medical reasons. Um, same type of deal, you know, it beats you up. And so, but he definitely helped out and was a key player in getting those guys ready, young men. Mm. We don't realize that sometimes. These are young, young men, 18 years old. I was considered, me and him, you know, Lydia's husband, Dave, we, we were considered old ones. I mean, we were up 23, <laughs> 24, you know. Yeah. These are young kids, 18, getting ready to go to combat. So he was a key player in that. Mm -hmm. that's, that's awesome. Well, let's see if anybody has a question, if anybody has tweeted a question. 
Here's one. I have wanted to send out some care packages, but honestly, I don't know what you really want or could use. What's the best thing we can send uh, to make your service more bearable? And uh, again, thank you to all of you. What would you like to get in a care package? Well, I'll tell you this right now. Over there, we got enough toothpaste, toothbrushes, toilet paper, everything else. I mean, these big companies send it, and they, I mean, they come in boxes as big as this stage. I mean, if, if you really want to send something, you know, send something, you know, like raviolis, you know, Vianney sausages, you know, something that's good that we don't have, you know, five million of. <laughs> ravioli, so there you have it. They open a box and there's a can of ravioli. <laughs> that was a good day when I got a can of ravioli. <laughs> MREs get old. <laughs> you start a fight like that. I bet you opened it with your teeth, didn't you? Well, I got lucky. I had a little pool tab, and the ones that didn't have pool tab, we took a pocket knife and stabbed it about 500 times trying to get that can open. <laughs> Okay, last but not least, I think that family members oftentimes are overlooked, unappreciated uh, for the sacrifice and the service that they give as well. And uh, I asked a, uh, the wife of a man that had been deployed for quite a while uh, to give me some of her thoughts. She said, I, I asked her to be up here, and she said, it's a little too intense. I'm not quite ready to go public with that yet. Uh, but she wrote some things to me, and I just wanted to share that because oftentimes we don't think about those uh, family members. Could I have all family members, whether you're a child, or are your boys out here? Are your boys here? No. Okay. They said they wanted to stand. Um, <laughs> whether, uh, if you were a, a military brat and had to travel the whole world because that's what your family did, or somebody that uh, was in your family that's a veteran today, would you please stand, family members? These are the unsung heroes. My wife and kid are still trying to hide back there. she wrote to me she said she said here's what I had to deal with the quickening of my heart when there's a knock on the door and it's military personnel and you don't know what they're what they're coming for because usually that means something that may not be so good or when the phones go down on the other end which I've heard they do because of various reasons um, because there's maybe been a casualty uh, the worry that comes with that when you're expecting his call when they get back from the field, and so you're constantly holding your breath. Um, holidays spent with basically strangers who are the only ones who really understand what it's like. Um, so it feels like family. Uh, listening to taps and sobbing at a funeral for a soldier that you never met, but who was a mentor for your husband thousands of miles away. That's how a family member connects with what's going on in the life of that person that they love. Dealing with family and house and car stuff on your own uh, when another soldier may be helping you because he or she is a buddy of your husband, your family. Uh, being the witness for weddings and births and de desperate situations, joyous moments of people who, whose only common thread is the life uh, that they share. Um, and for this particular young uh, wife, it was going over wills and last wishes as a newlywed at 24. Uh, you know, you really have to deal with some things that are basically out of your control. And families, children, wives, husbands, um, our, our thanks go out to you as well.
Well, thanks, you guys. That was awesome. Thank you, Matt. Seated, and we don't want to forget that our ultimate freedom is in Jesus Christ, that he gave his life, uh, not just for his country, but for each one of us individually. And so Buddy's going to share some closing thoughts about uh, how important that is in how we celebrate Veterans Day today. Well, thank you for being here, and I thank you myself personally to all the veterans, all those who served, your families, and all who have sacrificed so that I could be here today doing this. You know, there's some places you can't do this. And uh, because there have been men and women that have fought and families that have supported, I get to do that. I get to do this. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, no, not a sermon yet. <laughs> yep. It's about 45-minute one. <laughs> I didn't serve. Um, the draft stopped sur shortly after I uh, was ready to go do that thing of registering and signing up. The... Um, they stopped the draft, and so I did almost join one time. That's a long story, and I won't get into all that. That had to do with, um, just had to do a lot of stuff, emotional stuff. But anyway, thank you so much for your service. This won't be long, so don't think, oh, no, now i got to set through a message. Uh, <laughs> but I do appreciate our veterans. My brother served in Vietnam, and Gay's brother served, and others in my family served, and I'm appreciative of that. But the question I want to just pose this morning is, who would you die for? Who would you die for? We're not in the military, uh, those that are not, but the Bible says, Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Now today, as we said, we've gathered to celebrate and say thank you to our uh, military veterans. Veterans deserve great honor, and we've given, I feel like we've given great honor. We've always tried to do that here at Salem Fields for your service and to our country, and we owe a great debt. You know, they put their lives on the line in order to protect our nation, defend our freedom, defend our rights, and preserve our way of life. In a way, those who serve in the military lay down their lives, interrupting the careers, as we've talked about, interrupting their family or their schooling, and all those things that the military interrupted for the sake of others. Whatever their branch of service, we just again say thank you for your service. Veterans Day reminds us to uh, the courage of those who served, the cost given for others, and the cost of freedoms. Some things are worth the sacrifice of one's life. Some things can only be won through the laying down of one's life. So again, I ask the question, who would you die for? And Jesus said, greater love, again, has no one than this, than to lay down his life, one's life for his friends. Who would you be willing to die for? It may be your wife. You may say, I'd be willing to die for my wife, or I'd be willing to die for my husband. I'd be willing to die for my children. I'd be willing to die for a friend. And you may even be willing to die for a stranger. But you know, when you think about it, few would be willing really to die uh, for someone else, especially uh, if we don't know them. If, if we were willing to die for someone, we would want to make sure that that person was really worth the sacrifice. Our military personnel are willing to lay down their lives for others. Although it's, you know, it's not inevitable that they will die, the risk, though, comes when they sign up. They know that risk and they take that risk 
Uh, however, as a rule, they're not laying down their life for an individual, but for their country. They're laying down their life for a cause, cause that we so much enjoy and appreciate. They're willing to die for what they believe in. They're willing to die for freedom. You know, and they're willing to, be, to die so that future generations can be free and can be safe. But you know, uh, it's, I think it's easier to motivate people to die for a cause than for an individual. You see, dying for an individual requires love for that individual. But Jesus died for you and me. The reason was his love. He said, greater love has no man than this. So without love, our death, no matter how it might benefit others, returns us nothing, so to speak, in God's eyes. Paul said, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Paul was speaking of those who might be burned alive for the cause of Christ. While the willingness to die for a belief or a conviction or an ideal is honorable, the greatest motive for giving our life is love. The Bible says this is how we know love. Jesus laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters in 1 John 3.16. You know, we might, we might die just to demonstrate our hatred toward those who want to hurt us. Jesus never stopped loving the ones who were hurting him, the ones who crucified him. What they didn't know was that he was hanging on the cross for them. I've heard others, including myself, say I would die for Jesus. But I often ask myself, if I'm in that situation, would I really? You know, would I really die for Jesus and the cause and for others? You know, I, I, can, say, I can say right here, boldly say today that I would. But put myself in that situation, would I? Even though we may one day be faced with that decision, would I really do that? The greatest challenge is to lay down our lives. The greatest challenge that you and I, if we're to buy into what Jesus says in the scripture, the greatest uh, uh, challenge is to lay down our lives for those in our lives for those around us in small, insignificant ways. You know, when we think of laying down our life, we think about dying. We think about, well, I've got to die for this person. But I think it may be, maybe in some ways, I don't know. You know, I don't know. I'm speculating. That sometimes it may be easier to die for someone I love than to lay down my life in insignificant ways, in the small things. You know, John the Apostle said, this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and that he sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. In verse 11, he says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. So other than literally giving our life, how do we lay down our lives daily? Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me daily. And when we take up a cross, we're taking up the road to death. So how do I do that daily in, the, in my life, in my everyday life? How do we lay down our lives? We do it through self-denial. We do it through denying ourselves and serving others. It's making the choice every day to lay down my life so that others might live more abundantly. You know, which means that I, I may need to give up my dream in order to help another person live their dream. 
You know, I may need to give up my dream for my spouse or for my child so that they can realize their dream. I may need to lay down my life by giving up, by, by, by giving up uh, my comfort so that others may be comfortable. And I'm, not, I'm, not t- I'm talking about those who may need that comfort. It may mean you give up something you want so someone else can have what they need. We have so many things in life that we want. So many things in life that we want but we don't really need. But there's somebody, so many people in our lives that need so much. And there's a huge difference between want and need. It may mean sacrificing our financial security so someone else can have spiritual or physical security. It may be taking time out of our schedule to visit an elderly neighbor who suffers with loneliness. I know that Gay, she walks and we have this neighbor that's elderly and she works in her yard like every day like crazy. And Gay, no matter how pressed her schedule is, many days I can look up the street and see her standing there and talking uh, to her, and she told Gay one day that they got this relationship. She told Gay one day, she said, "Pray for my yard. It's not doing very well." <laughs> but you get the point. You know, the same is true for those who give their lives for others. You know, you can think of many, many ways and insignificant ways that we can lay down our life daily. It's in laying down our lives to our own personal wants. It's laying down our lives for. Our, for our own desires and comforts and needs. When we do that, we're filled with love for others. You know, I've learned that our wants and our desires and our dreams and our comforts and our needs are not lost when we give it away, but ours are multiplied. I found that to be so true with Jesus. When we give to others something small and insignificant, God gives back to us something even greater. And the greatest thing he gives back to us is our love for others. Only when love takes over do we begin to live, truly live. Now back to the question, who would you die for? The answer may be found in answering the question, who am I willing to live for? Who am I willing to live for? Am I willing to live for myself only or am I willing to live for Jesus and what he calls me to do? To lay down my life? Am I willing to only live for myself or am I willing to lay down my life for those that are in my life. You know, sometimes when I think about that, I realize how selfish I am. Who am I willing to live for? You see, how much of God's love is within us, that is within us, is measured by our answer to that question. There's no greater example of love than sacrificial love And we truly honor those who sacrifice themselves today in our hearts. We truly honor them. Let us also serve and honor God who sacrificed his love so that we who believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Who are we willing to lay down our life for? The greatest act of sacrificial love was when Jesus said in John 10, 18 that he voluntarily, you know, he didn't have to lay down his life for you and I. He did it voluntarily. He sacrificed his life to free us from the bondage to sin so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Jesus laid down his life and he expects you and I to do likewise. 
Think about this for a moment. When we lay down our lives for others, we're more like Jesus than at any other time. Father, thank you for this gathering today. Thank you, God, for your love and your grace. And I just pray today, Lord, that our men and women who serve will truly feel that they have been honored today. And we're thankful, Lord. Father, I just pray, God, that today that you would be with each of us, Lord, as we all are called, uh, maybe not to lay down our life for our country, but God, we're called to lay down our lives for each other. Every day. Take up our cross. Every day. And follow you. So God, I just pray today that as a church, Lord, that whether we're here or worshiping online, that God, whether we, uh, Father, or in the student ministry, or children's ministry, where our church is gathered today here at Salem Fields, Lord, I pray that, God, we would truly understand the great sacrifice that you paid so that we could be free. And, God, we thank you today that you call us friends. Think about that, folks. We are friends with Jesus. He calls us friend. Friends with the creator of the universe. And today, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, or maybe you've walked away from Jesus in your lifetime, I want to encourage you today to ask Christ to forgive you and invite him into your life to be your savior. And if you've been away from God for some time, I welcome you back home today. And you just tell God that I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I'm sorry that I walked away from you. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand together and close out in remembrance of Jesus, of our veterans. Your 
Father, we thank you so much for your spirit here today, for the freedom that we sensed. God, we remember who you are and what you did for us. No greater love is that than you laid down your life, even for your enemies. And so, Father, may we remember that. Father, thank you so much for all of the veterans here today. 
those online, those around our world, Lord, we're so indebted, so grateful for the freedom that we get to experience because of their service. And so, Father, thank you for these moments that we've had today. Help us not to take that freedom for granted, that we wake up every morning and we thank you, and we're indebted to those who have given their lives and served for us. We love you, we praise you, we give you this time. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Remember to thank a vet. Love you guys. We'll see you next time. You've been so, so.